This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the View from the Cop podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Paul Wheelock, and I'm pleased to say I'm joined by two of our regulars, Paul Philbin. Hello. And Neil McDonald. Hello. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by broadcaster and journalist Jonathan Higgins, who is over from Dublin for this weekend's Legends match at Anfield. Jonathan, great to have you on, mate. Delighted to be here to join this. Listen from afar, so it's good to be in the studios now. Yeah, great to have you there. And, and what a great time it is to be a, a Liverpool fan, top of the Premier League, through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Are you confident, Jonathan, that at least one trophy will be uh, in the Anfield cabinet come the end of May or even beginning of June? Just the one, is it? <laughs> it could be two. <laughs> what do you reckon? Uh, things are, you know... Liverpool are uh, at an you know top top shape at the moment. Um, it's been an incredible week that that week with the three big victories. Um, Liverpool are in a very very happy place. You've got to be happy with the the draw uh, in the Champions League as well. It's very much the positivities here where there was a slight bit of a lull there for a little while where things may have kind of had the potential to go off a cliff. But everything's back on course now, and you'd have to be really really confident going into the business end of the season. You lots of the same. Looking forward to just putting your feet up, having a rest, relax this weekend, knowing everything's in hands. <laughs> well, that's it. I, I normally I'm one who doesn't want international breaks to come, but I was delighted that it uh, come but more because it just felt like it was non-stop at the minute. Every three days, it was just like um, we had a game. But looking back at like since the turn of the year, especially, I remember like as. Uh, a friend over there I forgot your name sorry always a professional it's been a long week hasn't yeah. it as uh, Jonathan said um, there was a bit of a down the mood was a bit down uh, a few months ago but looking back over that 10 game period it was 22 points out of 30 which for the team who were in a lull isn't bad is it so I think this break will do as well with all the uh, veteran teams to pull out with injuries um, and yeah we've got I think it's good to be going back to a big fixture instead of just like a Huddersfield at home, because we need we know we need to be on on uh, at our best come what next Sunday. So yeah, I think it's come at a good time. Neil, before we get on to the Tottenham and the, the title race, let's just go back ten days to, to Munich. And I know Paul was saying before the last episode of this podcast that it felt like a defining game for Klopp. Did you think we all got the performance befitting of that? Oh, definitely. Um, it it was just it, it was everything you would want from a, a European game. You know, making a really really tough rival. Let's make no bones about it. I mean, they might not be the force they were maybe a few seasons ago, but they're still a very very difficult team to play against. And really establishing a golfing class um, at their place, holding them at arm's length and keeping them there, and then having the skill to cut through them. Um, the way we uh, the way we did, I think, was everything you could um, you could want, and also it's one of those results, and we seem to have these every virtually every week last season that would make Europe sit up and take notice because we've we've been well, it's definitely been a mixed bag in Europe so far this year, but that was a real you know sort of statement win uh, in terms of results and performance. So once again, I think there'd be no one who fancies. Um, who fancies taking us on and especially with that draw the way it's worked out for us not to um, you know just sort of dismiss Porto um, because it's a year on I'm sure they'd be fired up not to get um, a 5-0 spanking at their place again um, but it it couldn't have gone better really uh, even the, the next game I think you know we'd 
definitely fancy our chances against um, you know United or Barcelona. I think the the other side of the of the draw is the the more the difficult half. You know, we've done well to avoid that. So um, yeah, it was a it was a perfect um, you know a perfect result, and what followed was was just as perfect. You know, even even though we sort of struggled um, to get the win at Fulham, we still got it. And at the end of the season, it's not going to say in the results, you know, um, Fulham 1, Liverpool 2, asterisk, but Liverpool played poorly. It's <laughs> yeah. just going to say that we won. So that's that's all that matters. But I, I hope now, you know, it's a, what have we got? How many games in the league? Seven to go. Seven games in the league, maybe another four or five in the uh, Champions League. So at most, it's an 11-game season now. So if you were to say at the start of the season... I mean, I don't want to go all Julia and say 10 games from greatness, but <laughs> we've got, you know, 11 games to to just give your all in. And this is the, the chance now. These next games are your chance to write yourselves in in the history of the club. Um, I think everyone would have been, you know, would, would have taken that. So, so, yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic result, fantastic draw and fantastic the way it sets up the rest of the season. Yeah, Klopp said after the match, Jonathan, that it was a kind of result that put Liverpool back on the map and you could tell how much it meant for him given his past rivalry with Munich when he was in charge of Dortmund. But does it, in a way, did it underline that last season's run to the Champions League final was not a fluke? You know, the fact that Liverpool are here to stay now, that they are a proper European heavyweight again. Yeah, that's probably the, the strongest thing you can take out of that, that game. It's not just the performance, which was, I think, it was as professional as we've kind of got to see under Klopp. Um, I think he was more pl- pleased, really, that it was a bit more kind of steady Eddie. It was a bit more sustainable. You know, it was more of a machine grinding out uh, a result, grinding out a you know a, an in process that we need to get there, and and they got along and something that you can probably repeat a couple of times over that that potential is there. It isn't that high octane heavy metal football. Of course, he has so much pride. It's the former enemy. Uh, there's, we won't even have to go into the background there but there's an incredible amount of history between him and Klopp it meant on a personal note it meant so much but I think the factor was that type of victory that type of performance as well that pleased him most, most and definitely it made all of Europe stand up and when when the draw took place nobody wanted to get Liverpool and the fact that Liverpool are in that, that it's not that long ago Liverpool had an absolute you go back to Rodgers in, in the Champions League it was Oh, you get shivers thinking back onto it but how things have, have come on so much that now there are one of these fair teams oh that's Liverpool I don't want to fancy them I, I really don't want to go against them and it's it's also that and it's combined into that statement of how this can add performance or add on maybe this is the eureka moment where Liverpool now really push on with these seven plus ho- however many games to go and it was interesting I had, a, I was, had the pleasure of interviewing Marcus Babel a couple of weeks ago when I was just trying to suss out with him how he felt Liverpool would do it coming to the business end and you know he his key point was when I was I'm kind of just curious to see what he thought about in the league from someone that would be kind of in this title winning campaigns particularly with Munich how he thought this would go and he kept coming back to it's all on this tie in the Champions League against Munich this what could has the potential to you know, take Liverpool to the next level to push them on the players mentally and everything that go on and give them confidence. And let's hope he's right. Um, you could definitely see, I guess, in a weird way, you could kind of see a little bit of those kind of small fruits of that labour in the final couple of minutes against Fulham, where despite it being 15 minutes to go and 
potentially catastrophe. There was calmness throughout. They just kept on going. There was no wild panicking. Everyone kept on going and, and ground out that victory in the end. And hopefully that's a, a sign that added confidence. And hopefully, hopefully the guys are right. And that is that light switch moment for Liverpool. What was what was Marcus Babel like? He's my favorite, one of my favorite players when he was here. At Liverpool. It, it was great. I was, a, I have to confess, I was a little bit kind of fangirl teenage <laughs> <laughs> beforehand because uh, my mum dug out a photo of of me outside Anfield at the time, and he passed when I was a young kid, and it was after the two thousand one treble winning team, and um, he was just driving by in his jeep, and there's a little photo of me here, so I was getting back <laughs> memories. Of, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you here now. He did was you gr- sell him? Did you sell I him? I did. Like, I did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A very nice. Guy, um, very well. Like I was telling him about, and you know, I was doing some research on it. And you know, he's that type of player that you know. Obviously, there's the illness and that story. It kind of ended a bit nasty. But you strip that aside and look at his on-field action at Liverpool, particularly in that season. Everyone, you go, Marcus Babel, oh, great player, you know, great warrior, and always has a positive. All fans have a positive thought, and I kind of just drop that in and mention that to him. And you could you could feel even on the, on on the line just how much that meant to him to be held in a in a in such a positive life while Liverpool. Very good guy, very shrewd guy, um, very interesting conversation. He's doing, he's coaching down under now at, at the moment, uh, um, uh, but a very, very shrewd guy. And I suspect we might see him back in the Premier League managing the team pretty soon. I think he has, he's that little bit edge to him. It's interesting. Paul, you were over in Germany, weren't yeah, you? I was, yeah. What was the the feeling on in the stands? We were already here. Dan Kay was in the posh seats, wasn't he? You were yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did, were the other heads, did, yeah. did he have a cushion? <laughs> Oh, I didn't have a cushion in all that. I got bruises, still got bruises all over my legs from uh, the celebrations. Yeah, it was, it, it was such a weird feeling after the game, and it's going to sound mad because with European sides, you used to being locked in the ground for like ninety minutes, and straight after the game, it was like, "Go on, you can get out now." It was so you didn't really have that moment of it just using the ground with, and then the players being there. It was just get out. You go, you're in Germany, go and have a few pints kind yeah. of thing. So, yeah, it was great. Um, but, yeah, it did feel like at the final moments, as I've mentioned. And it's interesting what Marcus Babel had said because, like, these moments, and you think back to, like, the treble year, um, the Gary Mack derby, like, that was oh, that moment. Fuck, and then what a game. you think back to 2005, Gerard's goal against Olympiacos. <laughs> and even was it 2006 when Kitaut scored the other against United in the FA Cup there's these games which you look back at and go that was the moment where things you could just say sense something was happening and it felt like that in the ground when especially when Mane scored and it was tied done 100% because no matter what with 10 minutes to go Bayern Munich can still score two goals they can so once the Mane goal went in it was a real party atmosphere by the way I'm just going to mention Bayern Munich have got that spot on mm. by the way around that ground like when you walked in you walked in with the home fans you could ju- you could just mix right around with them around the ground if you want so you could walk right around to Bayern's main end it was great um, yeah I think we need to have a look at why we aren't doing that really it was great over there it was an amazing trip sounded fun last season obviously was fun is it the same kind of principle this year because obviously all the pressure's on the title race isn't it the Holy Grail get the, the title back to Anfield for the first time since 1990 can the Champions League almost feel as like a bit of a release yeah well that's it it's there was a period a few weeks ago where it was like people stopped enjoying football and got too stressed over it and like the Champions League was seen as exactly that taking mind off the league and now like 
I know we when everyone was saying that we drew nil nil at home to Bayern, and then the three one win was a load of fun. Everyone had a great time, but now you're looking at it going Porto. Everyone great memories from Porto last season. It was great trip and whatnot. So everyone will be thinking a bit of that again. And then I've mentioned it before: Liverpool are a team that need momentum. They are at the best when they play every three days, and that's what we're going to be doing now until the end of the season. Interesting it's point. True, isn't it? It's true as well. If you think like last year because we progressed in the Champions League probably further than we expected to towards the end of the season we sort of gave up a couple of league games didn't we in terms of selection just to rest people yeah. and it you know you could I mean we we got through it we got through to the Champions League but I think we are definitely like you like you say you know I think in a way that would almost detract from the season as a whole or make it hard to have that you know consistency of performance whereas when you go in for it you just get into that sort of you know not a, yeah. whatever the opposite of a rush is you get into into the like so well drilled that it it's just always another game let's go for it let's go for it let's go for it and just you know like I say at the most you've got 11 games now so so let's not feel tired you know soon that'll be in single figures let's just go and go and go <laughs> that's it yeah and we've also got now got players that you can rely on off the bench so if somebody is feeling fatigued there is that option to bring somebody in we will come to that, but Jonathan Porto, you can tell already. Even without asking the question, that everyone in this room is happy with the draw. Is the only danger a bit of overconfidence? Because obviously, you can imagine they'll be up for a bit of revenge after what happened last season. Yeah, absolutely. And you hear some Pepe's comments already. He's kind of stirring the pot, trying to get, trying to create a little bit of hoo ha behind the scenes, trying to create a bit of drama with it. Like, you don't get me wrong. No disrespect to them. They are the team everybody in that draw wanted, and you've got to be happy to get them. Of course, is it a banana? A pinch of banana skin? Any game is a banana skin, really. Particularly everyone facing Liverpool now will want to try and set out, do a number on them, set down a little marker for themselves. I don't. Th- I think you potentially will see kind of a lot more of a defensive unit when they come to Anfield. Especially, they're bound to be, bound to be wounded after last season's like. That was embarrassing at home to to lose it to lose the game like that. They did all right in the second leg, but it was done by then really. Um, but I think this Liverpool team, particularly now, go back to that type of performance against Munich, where it's it's not the heavy metal. And then if that doesn't work, okay, what do we do now? This is a bit more calculated, and you can even notice that with a couple of the draws that we got. You know, it's it's there's a, there's a step on it. You can see he's a guy that has been around this situation before. He knows that it isn't just ninety minutes. This is one game, one game, and one game, and there's no panic after the nil little with Munich in the home tie and yet we went out to put a, a brilliant performance in that to do the tie I think Klopp is is getting it and the, not only Klopp but the players are starting to understand his system now as well you, you've got to fancy Liverpool over two legs I fancy Liverpool over two legs against anyone now to be honest with you but particularly um, Porto I think I think it should be comfortable enough in the end I think we're going to see that heavy metal football return in the first leg I think Klopp will know exactly what happened against Porto last season in Portugal and it's at Anfield first this time he'll go go and win that tie why not and then when you go over to Portugal if you're 3-0 up or whatever there's that chance to not take your foot off the gas but use it as like a glorified training session as such if the tie is won and with the games coming thick and fast I think that's what Klopp will be thinking about really like Porto would a lot better than them, so it might go wrong. It might be a one nil, or we could draw. You don't know, but I think Klopp's Klopp will go out and set up the side to just go and storm it. Because if we have that ex- that game in Portugal where we can stroll through it, it could help with fatigue with like more and more games to come. 
Definitely. Paul, just stay with you because uh, we've got to have a word on the ticket prices report. So I think I'm right in saying it's going to cost Liverpool fifty yeah. Liverpool fans £52 <coughs> to get in, yeah. significantly less than what it, well, it was. Yeah, and yeah. It, it sounds like the club have, have fought the fans' mm-hmm. corner on this issue. Yeah, well, that's it. I think soon as everyone, we'd report, oh, everyone thought the same. And there was rumours doing the rounds on Twitter and whatnot that we were going to get charged €80 euro or €85 euro because that's what the ticket prices were for guests on Porto's website or whatnot. At the end of the day, I think last season we paid paid sixty six or sixty eight pounds to go to Porto in the last sixteen, which was an absolute rip off. Fifty two pounds still a rip off. And even though it's good at the club to speak to Porto and continue to try and get lower ticket prices in Europe, it's only a step in the right direction. It's not it's not it's it's not great news. It's just good news. Yeah. That's it. And I've seen a few people on Twitter praising Manchester United for what they've done to subsidise their fans going over to Barcelona. And people are completely missing the point that Barcelona fans will be coming over to Manchester United and paying £102. It's the fans that are getting ripped off here. It's not the clubs. Yeah, very well said. Uh, I think we've covered the kind of Champions League talk. <laughs> so it's only right that we move back to the title race because before Porto... Uh, just a little matter of two huge league matches the first of which which we, we mentioned earlier Tottenham at home I was looking at the fixtures before we started this podcast I'm kind of the opinion this is the toughest game left in the in the league is, am I right or do you, do you disagree? I don't think there's, we should look at it in that way um, <coughs> they've been uh, stuttering uh, definitely stuttering you know they've been feeling the uh, the pressure of carrying such a small squad um, you know they are fatigued undoubtedly Um through the course of the season so I, I'm not thinking about them I just think about us and for, for me um, by the time that comes around hopefully um, Joe Gomez will be that much closer if not uh, on the bench Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain will be that much closer other players will have a chance to get a bit more fitness a bit more work in the legs um, to come back to the uh, the peak uh, I'm thinking of like Lallana and Cater probably um, so yeah, I don't think we should worry about what's difficult, what's not. It's just another team to beat, and and every time, see, most times we've had that uh, challenge put in front of us this season, we've we've risen to it. So let's just let's just go, let's just beat, let's just keep beating them. Let's just whoever's there, it doesn't matter. Let's just beat them. It's already simmering nicely, I think, <clears throat> for that Tottenham game because Anfield in recent weeks has been a lot better than what it had has been, was since that last since game. that last game. What everyone was talking about. We've got, what is it, 10 days until Tottenham, I think. Well, it'll be a week when this podcast yeah. goes out. People will want to get to Anfield that day. And I think it'll just be one of those... It'll be like 2013-14 again. I, th- I can remember the last four or five home games in that run, being up there with the best atmospheres I've been, I, I've witnessed at Anfield. So knowing what to stay, the position we're in, I think, and the side that we're playing, I think it'll be right up there again. I think it helps the City play before us. They go to Fulham. You look at their goals, it should be three points. But if Fulham frustrates City like they did to us, who knows? And if we go into that game with a lead, there's nothing down for Tottenham. 
Once you put feeling into it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a, bl- a blessing in disguise that it is Tottenham. It's it's that team that will get a bit of a spark out of the fans. They'll get a spark back of the of the players, and it's a team that will allow us to play. That they're not going to park the bu- the bus. Um, they're genuinely Liverpool Spurs games are usually great football and spectacles. It's two two teams that like to press up high, and I think that'll play into our hands. I, I'm co- I'm really confident going into this. Spurs are wobbly weekend squad um, all the, the well documented issues with the stadium etc but now they're kind of are they at a stage where which is the priority for those is it do they keep on going to the league or do they look at mm-hmm. the Champions League tie and you know, playing against Man City they're going to ch- they've got to fancy themselves against City as well um, so they're already with that squad being so wobbly and you know Kane has come back he's you know he's scored a couple of goals but he's completely imbalanced the team since he since he's come back they're really really not in a good place and I think this is a hallmark not just for a Liverpool victory but for a victory that puts down a statement coming into the rest of the season I think I think you, you spoke about you know heavy metal football coming back I think we'll see more of the attacking and, and I, I can see Liverpool getting a hat full of goals here do you think we surprised then that Tottenham drops off like the, the way they have you know, <laughs> not at all strong. no yeah. I, I Tottenham for me are Harry Kane and they do what you'd expect they beat the teams you'd expect them to do and they'll get beat by the teams they should get beat by but like kind of like Everton but a bit better mm. like that, that's it like I think a few weeks ago everyone was I think it was when they played Burnley if they would have beat Burnley the title would have like, been in, right in the mix wouldn't I they? think yeah. the title would have been in their hands but like I don't think anybody fancied them against Burnley I think everyone just knew it well they're saying it's Tottenham yeah it's, kind of, it's a good point that isn't it because it kind of shows a lot about this Liverpool team that that Liverpool's Burnley could have been Fulham last weekend, yeah. particularly when Babel scores. It, it shows the difference in mentality between the two teams. Would that be fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Like people spoke about, you know, the two horse race between Liverpool City and then Spurs, you know, only five points behind or whatever. For me, this isn't being disrespectful. They were never in the title race for me, never ever anywhere close to the, the title race. And, you know, you, there's just something missing like you can't keep go without keep going back to the same players over and over again it was a small squad to start with they didn't sign in the summer which was madness and that's that's what's coming back to bite them in 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 the ass now because they are they're struggling so bad there's the kind of a stainless you know they're so stale there's there's no freshness they've got a, they've, I suppose they've been unfortunate with injuries but that's the injuries have probably happened because their players are playing so, so much game time as well they're a team that'll always put up a battle but you know they've They've just fallen away, and I, I just don't see anything long term with that that squad, that Spurs squad. I really don't. I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I'm to be honest. I've been amazed that no one has come in for the star players up to now. Mm. Every summer they just seem to go under the radar, and no, no one comes in for Ericsson or Deli Ali or, or Kane. I mean, I know it costs a lot of money, but you could definitely see someone like United just go in and throw in a, a massive pile of money to get <laughs> Harry Kane. I, you know that I'm I'm stunned that that hasn't. Um, that hasn't happened and you could say the same about the um, about the manager as well yeah um, I mean I think when Mourinho left everyone thought it was nailed on that he was going to go to United at the end of the year now Solskjaer's done so well that's might have changed um, and his opportunities on the continent have dried up as well somewhat so he might well stay there another year but it, I'd be amazed if that team doesn't break up because they've had years of progression and then the past probably two three years they've been like at the peak development, you know, they haven't really developed much past the level they're at, which is a high one, but it's not been sufficiently high for them to, to pick up any um, any trophies. And even like a few years ago, I'd have said they were 
ahead of us. Whereas now I think yeah, that's, yeah, I think, that's I, think, show, I think yeah. that's, that's definitely reversed. You know, we are ahead of them now. Now, obviously we haven't picked up any trophies either. But um, there's a difference, isn't there? Yeah, there's yeah. A, there is a clear difference. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see their squad um, break up. I mean, unfortunately, that's not going to happen before the next game. But um, <laughs> it, uh, you never know. International break. <laughs> I still, I still, I still expect us. I still expect Liverpool to win. I've got a sneaky feeling that Man United's recent dip is going to have Manchester United thinking about Pochettino so, again. Again, yeah. And I think I think he'll know that. I don't. I don't think Pochettino will be at Tottenham next season. You still think he'll be at United? I think he'll be. At United. Well, it'll probably take losing to Barca, wouldn't it? Which, with the greatest respect in the world, would be no shame. But then, what do you do if you finish out the top four? You know, surely with that squad, I think a decent manager w- would get him in there. I'm not yeah. saying Solskjaer is not a decent manager, but I, you just wonder if he's had that new manager bounce, don't you? Yeah. Teams are starting to fall away, and yeah. if they don't make fourth in a, as a result of teams falling away, yeah, it's a big Chelsea one. were awful, weren't yeah. they? The weekend, well, that's the, second half. That's you know. the other big name fixture if you like yeah. that we've got left but they they all seem to have just gone mad yeah. don't yeah. they they've done <laughs> they they've do done have they've gone crazy. Crazy. they do have it in lovely Chelsea yeah. <laughs> well I think on Blood Red early everyone said let's just hope Sally's still in charge yeah, come, come that game in April the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo Still, stay on Tottenham because you mentioned uh, Joe Gomez come back Dan Lofton he seems to have been like close to being back but who knows he, he, they could both <laughs> yeah, yeah. be fit you know what he's like but could both be fit for Tottenham but got to say Joel Matip surely got to start <laughs> on form yeah he, I, at the Allianz I thought he was the best player on the pitch I thought he was brilliant and like that's from so high up in the ground that I might have it completely wrong and I felt really sorry for him when he scored the own goal but I think Liverpool fans need to start looking at Joel Matip in a completely different way. Um, at the end of the day, we signed him on a free. Okay, the first season he came in, he was kind of a first-choice centre-half, but now he has dropped to probably a third, fourth-choice centre-half. But for a period of three months, without Gomez, without Love, well, it's been nearly three months since Lovren's played, he's not done much wrong, and he has formed quite a decent partnership with Van Dijk. We haven't conceded many goals, all right, we've had games against Burnley and Crystal Palace in that, but everyone has those games. He's he's done enough to until at least Joe Gomez is fully fit to stay in that starting lineup. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you, you sometimes you look at social media before the game and players are the worst in the world, and you're probably throwing like Lallana into that. All of a sudden, he's looking. I don't think he's the same player as he was, you know, a couple of seasons ago. But he's he's certainly not as bad as some may say someone on Twitter may have you believe he's been very unfortunate hasn't he I think Alan I mean he he is a, a I would say he's a class player you know he's got really sort of lovely touch he's really sort of skillful on the ball he's lost I mean he never had much pace but he's lost most of it now um, but he still works hard as was shown for the um, the goal he created by closing down um, against Burnley you know where it was he made the crucial block that led to um, to Mane scoring so he does bring that. He does bring that sort of busyness into midfield, and I think there's been times where we definitely, um, you know, miss that allied to a perhaps an extra bit of creativity to the the other midfielders who've been um, who've been available. So having him on hand, I think, is a it can only be a good thing. You know, he is an experienced senior member of the squad. Um, so, um, well, he's not 
um, won too much. He's certainly been there. He's an experienced international. So it can only help in terms of at a time when you're looking to think cool heads and let's stay focused. Having him there, having, you know, Milner there, um, it can only help. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's he's back, um, you know, sort of getting his legs his legs back. And I think, again, if he works hard in the international break, I think he's gone on hold. Has he gone to Barbados yeah, or somewhere? He'll be having some kind of break, won't he? Let's, let's hope he's running up and down the beach um, <laughs> in, um, in Barbados. Um, th- that is a, a massive positive for the last few games. Let's just move on now from uh, on the field to off the field. Here at the Echo, uh, we've had a lot of stories about transfers. You can tell it's the international break. Uh, one's about Dybala, Juventus, the young Ajax captain, Delete. Uh, and from what the the Liverpool FC writers here are saying, it doesn't look like the club will be spending big again as they did last summer. Do you agree with that? Do you, do you think it's more fine-tuning now rather than like last season, four or five really big names? I mean, my opinion is it is fine-tuning. It's hard to think of, I mean, I suppose you could say, it's an area of the field that could do with an injection of quality, probably midfield. Um, but our centre-backs have proven that they are effect- they're made of crisps. So having people <laughs> who can actually play more than five games, <coughs> excuse me, would be good. So, so even though it's fine-tuning, why shouldn't that fine-tuning be going out and buying superstars um, to to add on to the top and to improve the, the first two. I think we've said before on this pod that that's how you improve. You know, you yeah. you buy for the first team and then your first team has become your squad players. I think that's what's happened this season with um, Jordan Henderson. You know, he's, he is the captain and he was a, a guaranteed starter. But um, we bought Fabinho and he's come in and effectively has kind of pushed Henderson, I think, down the down the pecking order when both are, are fit. So I think that's what we should look to do this summer rather than saying, well, let's strengthen the squad, let's get like a Moreno replacement for left-back or, or whatever. I think we buy quality to improve on the first team and, and we don't have to buy four or five players. Two would probably be enough of that quality, of that level we're talking about to really continue the process of, of stepping it up. I mean, it, we showed um, what happens when you do buy quality is you improve. You know, we bought Van Dijk, we bought Alisson and they have massively improved us. So I think, although they say, oh, we're not going to spend big, I think our focus should be on one or two real top, top class players to come in and improve the the squad so I mean Dybala would be a he would be a big ask I think to get him out of Juventus um, and he would be ridiculously expensive yeah. that yeah. that might be too much money um, but Delight who, who knows or Delict what have you said yeah, I don't know I've heard he's been saying yeah need to work his name that Ajax lad that dish of money what do you reckon Jonathan um, it's a tough one but I, I'm very conscious of We've been here situation before where the team has kind of been on the edge and we, we've kind of haven't really invested and it's fallen away and then it's years and years of hard work. I don't think it's Great th- that level of a, a statement here now, but I do think it's important to push on with the squad. We've seen the improvement between last season and this season and even in terms of styles of play. Like, look at that tie against Munich. We wouldn't have been able to play that way last season with that squad because you have your Allensons, you have your Van Dykes now who've added a bit of steel. I think we... I. 
I, def- I definitely think we need a new left back. I don't think we can go another season. Robbo's been, you know, sensational, but it's unrealistic for him to go a full season again in at home and in Europe playing that, playing there. And we we have Mourinho on the bench who he clearly doesn't trust. Don't blame him. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole different part, of, part yeah. of, it, of itself. But I think you need I think you need competition in, in in those areas. I would love to see a new striker like Timo Werner is the is the is the pinnacle that I, w- I would love to see in the summer again that's unrealistic but I, I do think if you're taking this squad to the next level I think a, n- a number nine where you drop Bobby a little deeper uh, uh, I think that's key I, I, do, I would like to see a nice bit of investment I, th- I do agree as well I do think we need another centre half and uh, we've kind of been lucky into a certain extent the way we've been managed to cover over those areas but you, you can't have your defenders missing three four periods of, of, of months of the season it's it, it's it's crazy. It's unrealistic to to drive on, and games are going to be coming so thick and fast. And we've seen how competitive everything is. I think it's I think it's important not to go completely crazy, but I do think you need to go to that expensive top drawer and sprinkle a little bit of dust on the squad just to keep everything fresh. And um, because we're at the situation now where you, you look at it, and we've a couple of we've we've bought a couple of players in the summer who Klopp hasn't really entered his whole circle of trust and I'm kind of thinking Keita and Shaqiri I know there's probably some injury problems there as well but he's gone back to the likes of his Lalanas mm. in his key games because I don't think he trusts them fully to come into this into the squad so I think it's important that we have those high end players just to keep keep this momentum going because you look at City they're going to you know just open up that checkbook again in the summer and they're signing a lot from Madrid uh, Atletico aren't they it looks yeah. already so um, who's a fantastic player as well so like we, we have to keep on going we don't we can't we spoke long about them in the show earlier but we can't end up like Spurs where there's no investment you can see how that what that difference that can make so I do think it's important just to add another put, put a little bit of fleckles of gold onto it and keep this momentum going Open it up to all here, but start with you, Paul. This is purely fanciful talk, but because he's been in the news this weekend, you know what's coming, Coutinho. It's clearly like he's having a, a, a bad time with it at Barcelona. And to be honest, from from speaking to someone over there and, and from what James Pearce has said at our place, like the fee would probably be prohibitive. You know, he's probably on more money than he ever was at Liverpool. So that's why I use the word fanciful. But say the stars aligned and there was a deal to be done and Coutinho wanted to come back. Would you have him back as a fan, Paul? No. <clears throat> Why? Absolutely not. Well, one, he should have saw what Klopp was doing at Liverpool. Like, the grass isn't always greener. So, at the, at the time we were, we just went through the, the Champions League, a favourable draw. We looked at it, we were flying. Um, and he missed out on a load of fun, <laughs> a load of fun at the end of last season. Um, two, I think we're the best side without him, with more... Like, with Coutinho in the side, it, there was a lot of mad results. Whereas, at the end of the day, if you ask any Liverpool fan who did who did rather have it, it'll be Van Dijk over over Coutinho. Um, three, he's he's another one of those players for me that has been was at Liverpool in an era where it was just like nearly men. So I'm more than happy to move away from that kind of stuff. Like, there's still a few that are at Liverpool. That a part of that era with like likes of Alisson, Van Dijk and Fabinho and whatnot, they just look like the winners. They've got that calmness, the arrogance about them. Uh, four, but the fee is just, um, yeah, there's just 
you're looking at over 200 million, aren't you? And five, I don't think the fans would accept him back because of the way he left. At the end of the day, in the summer, he put in a request and then all of a sudden he had this back injury in January. Yeah, he didn't want to be there. Simple. <laughs> so why would we want him back? Yeah, I agree. agree with everything Paul said. I, w- I wouldn't have him back either. Um, I think he made his he made his choice um, and we have definitely improved through reinvesting the money we got from his sale. Um, so doing, I mean, I, I mentioned in my answer earlier about an extra bit of, I mean, creativity in midfield or a, a bit of quality in midfield. But I don't think he um, is the is the answer. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He's done Danny. He, he contributed to some amazing moments uh, for Liverpool. He was so skillful, really, really good. But it, it's weird as well. And I think this is what they find in Barca. He's not really an attacker, and he's not really a midfielder. Yeah, he's just they've shifted him out onto the wing, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, Dustin I think make a place. Yeah, I think if you if he comes off, he's in your team. You build your team around him, and we've moved. We've moved beyond that. I one thing I forgot to add: like, if you go and spend whatever two hundred million on him, is he not just broken? Like, his confidence is that low. And it sounds it. It yeah, does sound like, it. He, he was been speaking in Brazil this week about it and saying like he hasn't been that great, and he knows the kind of thing. Do you, if you go and sign him, do you get that same player back? You don't know. Like, you look at what confidence has done to Carrius. I'm not saying Carrius was great, but. Confidence does ruin players, and if or even Torres when he went well, to Chelsea, yeah, he wasn't you know, you know, he, I know he had them goals didn't he yeah. before he left, but he clearly there's, wasn't the same player. There's plenty, like you think of Falcao as well, he yeah, was at the yeah. top of his game when to United and Chelsea didn't work out. There's things like that that like it's all well and good being a great footballer, but if you haven't got the confidence, you're not going to be that great footballer, are you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I agree with everything. No, I, I can't, I don't see it happening, and I don't think it should happen, and it won't happen. Um, there's just too much bad blood if he had left uh, in a respectful way you could argue that you could get him back in and, and the, at a, a reasonable uh, price you know there's, there's certain games we look at a couple of nil ends maybe where we could have done with his piece of little piece of magic and stuff like that but we've we've evolved so much and so far away from those type of situations I just there's there's no way you talk about the stars align. You need the star. You need the the whole solar system <laughs> in, in in place. Yeah. And even still, I don't think there's. I just I I really can't see how this happens in any way. I agree. I agree. And as you say, Liverpool have definitely gone from strength to strength since he uh, he made that dream move. <laughs> well, it's not turned into a dream at all, has it? Top of the league. And will Liverpool still be top of the league after these next two league matches? Tottenham at home on this podcast will come out on Sunday. Should be a week today. And then the Friday night in Southampton. Well, lovely oh, trip yeah. that is for you, mate. But well, do you think yeah. Liverpool will be still clear at the top? I was trying to think what the game after Tottenham was, and I never remember it's a Friday night in there, so I'm looking forward to a Friday night out in Southampton. We've had a few good ones down there in my time. Um, yes, I do. I think we'll take maximum points. Um, also, it's FA Cup weekend, is that right? So it is, we yeah. also have a chance to extend our lead, so it could no matter how you look at it, if we've got a five-point lead over City, or a City playing earlier that week now, though, aren't they? They might that Cardiff that game might have been moved. Yeah. Is it being moved to two As days it, earlier? So it could, I think, it it could be one. Oh, yeah, one. Well, it's, yeah, it's still top. Still, definitely yeah, still top. Definitely still top. And it would that game in hand would be the Manx Derby. Yeah. So yeah, it would. Uh, yeah, six points, and we'll 
scored a good few goals, I reckon. I think Southampton will be one of those where, away from home, everything just clicks. I was, like, going to Fulham the other day. I was, like, trying to work out and remember the last time we went away from home and just battered somebody. It's been a while, so would you want? I am saying nothing because whenever I give a prediction on this podcast, <laughs> it, it always goes per shed. So I know what I want to happen, but yeah. you've been I'm I'm confident of two victories. I think the Spurs one in particular, it'll be more than just a victory. I think it'll be the statement that will come down. You'll have Manny back at Southampton. There's so many sub, sub stories there as well. All the, the Southampton players and all that bad blood. Of course, Big Verge as well. I think, um, yeah, no, I'm very, very confident of two victories. Just before we wrap up, it's just jump on what Philbo said then about uh, City's game in hand. It's actually at United, isn't it? Like at the back end of back end of April, isn't it? April twenty fourth, something like that. And there's no doubt about it. They're a, a superb side, City. You know what they're doing. They could be unprecedented, but surely all these games are going to catch up with them. Well, they are, and also I in at least one competition anyway. You know, uh, yeah. You've got a fancy Tottenham to at least take in one of those three games beat them. I'd like it might be in the Champions League side when they get ties over. You don't know, but they have got games where you look at it and go like, oh, like I'm glad. Like I'm glad we're not going to Burnley. I'm glad we don't have to play Leicester. I'm glad we don't have to go to Brighton. They're the kind of games you look at and like, oh, just get out of there and win these kind of games. And I think I mentioned it on the last podcast about Manchester United and people like you see their fans on Twitter, but don't listen to Twitter. They're all weird, aren't they? But, <laughs> like, saying, oh, I'll happily lose to City to stop Liverpool when they the league or whatnot. But if City are going for the quadruple to outdo Manchester United's treble, uh, United won't want that. Associate, I won't want that, I don't think. No, not steeped in the history. You're equally confident that... I know you're rightly, what you said earlier, Neil, it's all about Liverpool. Don't focus on... And what anyone else does, but you've got, surely you've got a half an eye on when City are playing and you've had a sneaky look at their fixes, haven't you? <laughs> I, two two things to this. For, I mean, I, first of all, I refer the honourable gentleman to my answer a few moments ago because we, we had this last time when they were going to Goodison and, going to other play, and we were like, oh, they'll defo drop points. Yeah. And then they just, they just blitzed through all of them. I know what I want to happen and... I guess we'll see. We'll see what does um, happen. But for me, yeah, it's just let's just focus on um, on us. And it, interestingly, or at least interesting to me, um, I'm not sure when this is going out, but something that's going up on the Echo website over the weekend is a piece I not together. I actually, when people think about like nostalgia, you tend to think of like this, you know, the '60s with Shankly, '70s and '80s with Paisley. I look back to Liverpool's first. Premier League title win which was actually 1900-1901 and there are some amazing similarities but they finished that season um, that team the the, um, 0001 team (laughs) with uh, (laughs) uh, with nine wins they were eighth at one point and they finished with nine wins and three three draws to win the title on the last day um, by two points because two points for a win then so there's a story around that there's some remarkable similarities in the team and some great stories around that team as well, which I won't go into here because I don't want to spoil it. But that's the main one is is that that's what that's what we need to do, you know, just win. Um, so regardless of what they do, just win. And if we do that, then we can't ask any more. 
I mean, that's a perfect uh, point to end on. We will see if history repeats itself on 1901. <laughs> Paul, Neil, thanks as ever for, for joining us, lads. Really appreciate it. Um, but particularly for Jonathan, hope Thank you have you. a great weekend in Liverpool, mate. And we're hoping to get you on uh, more of our podcast in the future as well, Absolutely mate. We've really enjoyed you having you on. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.